Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean, dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Fantasy round what is going on everybody and welcome to a playoff edition of the fantasy football roundtable podcast we are proud to be a part of the pigskin podcast network you can find them at pigskin podnet on twitter or you can search the hashtag tpn which we all hashtag as we go live we've got football baseball basketball soccer wrestling everything everything i'm sure we'll have some winter olympic stuff on there as well make sure to check them out for all of your sporting needs crazy week 18 the longest fantasy football season we've ever had on record technically and uh it lived up to the hype let's let's be honest there was uh, i was a little bit worried about how some of these games went you know talked about it did i pick the jags to win i can't remember i don't think i did but i said it was possible uh, I mean, the Jags, major upset uh, teams, crazy Sunday night game. It was a fun last week of football. Gentlemen, before we jump in and start talking about those playoff matchups, getting set, our playoff challenge, coaches being fired. It's a full Monday episode. How are you guys doing? You're muted. Ding dang, Sheriff. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. It's cold as heck up here. Sold the boy's car, so now we can go get him a car that that runs. So one that's not a fixer-upper. It's been a great day overall. Maybe you can talk him into a moped. Yeah. You know, just live. Have you ever ridden a moped in January in Ohio? No, but I can't imagine it's pleasant. No. It's uh, After a uh, 
coolish uh, weekend. We're we're sailing into some beautiful weather here. Um, I don't know if it was just uh, the Broncos making a change that parted the clouds and removed the <laughs> removed the chill in the air. But it's for Colorado. It is supposed to be sixty two degrees on Thursday with light wind, uh, which feels like a miracle. Yeah, I mean, whew, Denver. What a, it was a good game though, right? So let, let's just go right to them. Vic Fangio. Melvin I mean, fucking almost, Gordon. Yeah, I mean, it was a great game for everybody but Melvin Gordon. Maybe I should have put it that way. Vic Fangio, Pat Shermer, and Tom McMahon are all fired in Denver. Matt, we're coming to you. You are our resident Broncos fan here. I mean, what, what do you think this means for them? Is there a coach you'd like them to go get? I think, uh, I'm almost positive the thing I saw in there was a going after Dan Quinn, so they're sticking on the defensive no, side yeah. of the ball. I know, and you know, it was almost like right away they they played clips this morning on the news, and um, you know, George Patton talking about Vic Fangio saying he's the greatest coach he's ever worked with, and immediately cut to the local sports announcer saying, "When you fire somebody and say they're the best of anything that you've ever worked with, we know you're just talking out of some place where the sun can't get to." That was literally how I woke up this morning. You know, there, I'm always hopeful that they're going to look for something creative. I will be the first to say, what Dan Quinn has done with the Dallas Cowboys defense this season is nothing short of incredible. They had no defense last year. Now they have one of the best. He's always been a great defensive coordinator. I did not think he was an incredible head coach in Atlanta. And honestly, Denver has not fundamentally had an offense for six years. There's a lot of fun and interesting and creative potential coaches um, that are floating around out there. And, you know, somebody on one of the fan pages said they think they're going to try to interview Mike Zimmer. I'm like, guys, I, I that might the excitement of of potentially doing something new, rolling into like if we hire Mike Zimmer, the only one of the defensive coaches that they've referenced wanting to interview that I thought might be interesting is Brian Flores, just because we'll get to that in a minute. But I thought would I actually thought what he had done with Miami was fairly impressive, but. I'm hoping Denver thinks out of the box. I know that goes against the fi- every fiber of the being of the front office, but it would be nice to get, you know, something fresh, something different. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Quinn's only been off the head coaching market for, what, a year and a half? Yeah, he got fired after week five of 2020 yeah, season. I, man, I feel like I, I feel like he needs to just stick in Dallas for a little bit, spend a couple more years. I, I don't know. Maybe it was he didn't build a, a good enough staff. Maybe it was the front office issue in Atlanta that they weren't bringing in enough of the right players. Didn't have a creative enough offensive coordinator. I don't know. I I feel like he's he's a really really good defensive coordinator, but he just because he was in Atlanta for what seven years or something. It was he got a couple contracts, didn't he? Yeah, and they were very successful when Kyle Shanahan was his offensive coordinator, but after the Super Bowl, Shanahan went to San Francisco, and that team wasn't the same. Honestly, that's that would be part of my fear. I don't – you know, Fangio was incredible with Denver's defense, and but he was eh, – when it came to game management, and they never developed any kind of offense, and that would be what gives me a little bit of pause when you're talking about going right back to that well. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, typically you see franchises go the like 180, right? Like they go the complete opposite way. If they had a defensive head coach, they tend to go offensive. They had a player's coach, they tend to go for the hard ass. So I was very curious when I saw that Dan Quinn thing. I mean, I know he he declined to interview with the Jags, I think a couple weeks ago mm-hmm. after they let Urban Meyer go. I mean, that's the thing. I actually I think he'd be a great fit, but the biggest question is what would he do for the offense? Because I think, you know, no, I don't mean this as like any disrespect toward Fangio because he had that Pittsburgh defense rolling forever, but Atlanta's defense was really good for a long time, and I don't think they had nearly the pieces that Denver has right now. I also think the biggest problem with Denver is not necessarily the offense. It's what are they going to do at quarterback? Because I think they've got the pieces. They have a good team. Like I listened to Fangio's press conference the other day. I don't think he was necessarily wrong. Like, I do think Denver is right there. They're just missing one piece, and it's the quarterback. It's the biggest piece of that team. You cannot – we are seeing nowadays, it's not the days of old where Trent Dilfer can take the Baltimore Ravens to a Super Bowl and win it. You have to have a good quarterback. You cannot just have that game manager. Say what you want about Jimmy G. He's at least a little bit better than a game manager, and they just don't have that. Teddy Bridgewater's not it. You know, Locke, for as exciting as he is and as fun as he is to watch sometimes, he just makes too many mistakes. And I wouldn't even put that game on him. I mean, it was – as you just mentioned right beforehand, Matt, it was all Milton Gordon in my opinion. Well, so, go ahead. That's right. You do need like creativity. So, I guess if you were really pressing me, I would be interested in seeing a Kellen Moore and Eric Bieniemy or Byron Leftwich, somebody who has worked with quarterbacks and who has worked very well on an offense to see what they could do. Because I actually, I'm going to say. I was impressed with the three starts with Drew Locke. They were 0-3. That wasn't about him. They they weren't blocking very well. Some of those games, they weren't running very well. It was a very uncreative offense, and I think it was beaten into him. He wasn't allowed to take any chances. When you saw him actually make a couple of throws that he had to make down the sidelines, he was making them, and he cleaned up with that one terribly timed fumble you know, where he basically got the ball ripped out of his hands aside. He didn't turn the ball over in those. He didn't take a bunch of sacks. I think he did honestly, conscientiously work on that. But did they have somebody who was actually going to push them to another level? No, they tried to make him into Teddy Bridgewater instead of taking his natural ability and cleaning up the turnovers. Yeah, and so that's where if you do bring in a offensive-minded head coach, maybe they're able to do that. I don't know that they stick with Locke either. I mean, Denver's mm-hmm. got – there's a few teams that are that are very interesting here with the moves that they've made. And um, the biggest shock, I think, was the next one. It was Brian Flores being fired in Miami. Like, I don't get this one at all. I mean, I get there were a lot of people who thought Miami would make the playoffs. I know I picked them to make the playoffs. They almost made it in. I understand that almost doesn't count for anything. They don't get an almost trophy. They're they're sitting at home this week, and they're not playing in the playoffs. But when Brian Flores came in two years ago, this was a horrible roster. This team was not good at all. And the immediate year that he was there, they competed. They played well. Last year, they played really well again. For all the yo-yoing of quarterbacks and all the injuries, this has been, in my opinion, a very good team. To take a team of what they won in seven, right? Before mm-hmm. they rolled off all the wins that they did. I don't understand this one bit. Now, I did see mm-hmm. a lot of it maybe because apparently he doesn't want to show Watson. Heads. Well, from what I saw, he's butting heads with the general manager, and I guess Stephen Ross preferred to keep him over Brian Flores because they said that the general—I don't know his name, Steve something—I think—is yeah. uh, is his job is safe. 
that makes no sense to me because I'm sorry. Outside of what Jalen Waddle, maybe like he's, what he's never this? gotten a running back. Yeah, and, and what is these other home run picks that this general manager has made the entire time he's been there? So I, I don't understand that one at all. That was kind of the most surprising. I mean, Dennis, what what were your thoughts when you saw that uh, Brian Flores was being let go? I I was surprised, but as news has come out, I'm less surprised. It was clear, clearly a power struggle between him and Chris Greer, who's the GM. Now, Greer has been there for 20 years. He's He spent 15 years in the scouting department and worked his way up till he was the head of the scouting department. And then he became the general manager. He's been the GM for five years now, I think. Um, so there's clearly a strong relationship between him and Stephen Ross. Now, Greer and Flores clearly had different directions they wanted to go with the quarterback. I think, you know, Greer selected Tua. I think Greer wanted Tua. Flores wanted Deshaun Watson. That's what the reports I've been seeing have said. But a lot of what's come out has been all about relationships. Uh, Alfredo Brown posted, he said, in three seasons, Brian Flores had four offensive coordinators, four offensive line coaches, four quarterback coaches, two defensive coordinators, and two assistant head coaches. So he seems to struggle with relationships at the management level, but the players have been coming out in droves, you know, talking about how great he was for their career. So the players are clearly playing for him. So whether or not, you know, his relationship issues with management peers are are a problem that he needs to resolve kind of looks that way but he was in a tough situation with chris greer you know we've seen it time and time again where the head coach and the gm eventually end up with in, in a a battle of for power and one of them has to go you know, it, in the end, I think it come down to Flores not being strong in the relationship department with management, and Greer is. You know, it's interesting to me that you said you saw some where they they thought that he that Flores wanted Watson and Greer wanted to keep Tua because I saw a couple of people that seemed to think it was the other way around. Yeah, I'm not sure which way it was. I <laughs> well, we'll, both. we'll but see what happens. One wanted one and one wanted the yeah. other. I just don't know. I'm not 100% sure which it was. Well, that's uh, we'll get some clarity on that depending on if they make a strong move for Watson again, you'll you, it'll kind of answer itself. The the thing somebody mentioned today is wondering whether Miami is going to look back at this in a few years the same way Detroit probably thinks about firing Jim Caldwell, where it seemed like the team was making progress. They had done better, and it was like, well, maybe this isn't the right fit. We think we can go and get something else. I, you know, Miami finished with nine wins above 500 two years in a row, which is a pretty exceptional mark. Even that year that they were supposedly outright tanking was that really fun, like six and 10 finish with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He was 24 and 25. I think they said in three seasons, that's not a terrible mark, you know, and, especially for the the condition that team was in. I was 
pretty surprised, and I'll be curious to see where he lands. The other big thing, he was 4-2 and two against Bill Belichick in his three years, which is not something very many people that came off Belichick's tree can ever say. I don't think anybody else can say that. I believe the next successful was Bill O'Brien, who I think has two wins against Bill. So, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I it, it made no sense to me. I, I think if you're any of the teams that let a coach go, he's probably your first call because I, I don't see – to me, he's the best coaching candidate out there. I mean, I understand Dan Quinn really good, but I think with what Brian Flores was able to do with that defense in Miami, I, I take him. It's – I don't even know where Miami goes, and I honestly don't know what this means now for Tua, that offense. I mean, the only thing maybe I would take from this if I if I roster Tua and some of those guys is maybe they bring in somebody because the one – my biggest gripe with Brian Flores in Miami has been is he seems like he wants to run like this old-school offense, and it's not at all what like fits Tua and Waddle's games. They never got that running back, as you mentioned, Matt. If you want to have that ground-to-pound and play defense – you have to have at least a decent running back. And I don't mean any offense to Miles Gaskin, but he wasn't, a, he wasn't doing it for him. So, Which isn't Brian Flores unless he had the right. autonomy of the roster. He's but not I the think, one that said, hey, let's go sign Malcolm Brown. But we've seen other coaches adapt to what their roster is. And Brian Flores, to me, never really seemed to do that on the offensive side of the ball. He always brought in these kind of old school play callers. I can't remember who it was that first year, but it was a, it was a, it was a old Gailey. Gailey. Okay. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it was not a guy who's, who's trying to open up the, the pass offense and everything. And I think that's kind of always been the biggest thing there. He and I get it because again he comes from the Bill Belichick tree and Josh McDaniels opens it up here and there but they he just seemed like he was very set in his ways that was always my biggest gripe very curious to see what happens in Miami because they do have some decent pieces uh, this one we kind of expected Matt Matt Nagy and before, Ryan Pace. before yeah. before we go before we go I just saw breaking news the Broncos have requested to interview someone off the McVay tree. Offensive coordinator in LA, Kevin O'Connell. Which we've seen that be a kind of a mixed bag. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, but he, you know, he got coffee for McVeigh. He's qualified. Analytics yeah. King might have cost himself last night. So we can get to that in a minute. Matt, we saw, uh, we knew Matt Nagy was going to get fired. Those rumors have been out. We were not sure Ryan Pace was going to be let go. He is out as well. What do you think this means for Justin Fields in Chicago? Yeah. That, you know, the coach and the GM that, that drafted you both get the, the sack. You didn't have the most affirming season of, of your talent. I, I don't know if it's all on him. He looked okay at times. Uh, but there are a lot, a lot of questions in Chicago. They're going to have to get a, a GM in place. Then they're probably going to have to try to get a coach. You know, we already suspected Allen Robinson was about to walk. It's not like the cupboard is full in Chicago on either side of the ball now. You know, they, a few years ago, had an exceptional defense, and they just needed the offense. We've seen pieces ebb away and age out of that group, too. I'm not sure, you know, I'm sure we'll have time to rank these, but I'm not sure I would rank Chicago as among the most attractive openings here either. Well, and my concern with Chicago is that the guy that they brought in to help the only football guy to lead their coaching search 
is 80 some odd year old Bill Polian who's been removed from the game for a while. Now, I know he was in Indianapolis with Peyton, but it seems like he might be, you know, he might be the guy that says, hey, you should hire Bill O'Brien as opposed to looking for something. The people in Chicago just need- tuned us out. <laughs> But I don't know. O'Brien might be okay for for Fields' development, but I, you know, it's going to be tough. I think whoever goes in there, their number one goal has got to be to develop an offense that suits Justin Fields' strengths. Yeah, and that's going to be kind of the the weird part, I guess, because. I feel much more comfortable, Matt, like you just mentioned, had Ryan Pace still been there because at least, you know, he wanted him. He traded up to get him. So maybe they move more into like an offensive coach that can build around what Justin Fields does. Now you're bringing in a general manager that has got to just kind of, I guess, set. Well, I shouldn't say settle, but you've got to find a general manager. Like you can't interview a general manager. If I'm interviewing Matt Fox here is for to be the general manager of the Chicago bears. And then he's like, well, you know, I really don't think Justin Fields is the guy that might be an issue because they've already traded up for him. He's the guy. I don't know how that's going to work out. They gave up their first this year, right? I, I thought that they, they traded their first from this year to, to move up. So now you're talking about, coaching a GM coming in with with fewer assets too. Yeah, it's uh it, it's gonna be, you know, I, I I'm trying to think about who are the candidates. Is Peterson gonna be a good candidate? Would he be a good candidate to work with Fields? I don't know. He, I, he might be, but he, I because I don't know it didn't go that well in Philly. So. Right. But I don't know who's the who's gonna come out of college. It's I I don't know who's in college that's chomping at the bit to get into the NFL that was... Uh, well, I mean, do you know all the rumors, right, that have been going on for weeks with Chicago? That's going to be Harbaugh. Oh, yeah. The Harbaugh one, not the day one. I don't know that day yeah. leaves, but I do think this is the perfect fit for him if if it... If it is him, but I would hate to see Harbaugh go there. I don't think his offense is going to be suited very well for Justin Fields either. It's going to be Chicago's well, interesting. Wasn't Harbaugh in San Francisco when they switched yeah, to I mean, Kaepernick? He I mean, was with Kaepernick, but granted, he didn't do much with his college quarterbacks. But and I also think a lot of that too was um, who was it that was calling plays though? Because I don't think it was him that was calling plays. Like he definitely was a a, a key reason why why Kaepernick was able to produce. So I'm I'm not super worried about it, but from what we've seen the past couple of years from him in Michigan with, let's be honest, he's had running quarterbacks. None of them have really ever produced much, and that worries me because at the college game, you would think you'd be able to scheme and help develop those guys a little bit easier than you can at but, the NFL. Look, the good news is he saw Justin Fields destroy his team a couple of times. In college, so maybe maybe he knows exactly what he's got there. One can hope. Next up, we had Mike Zimmer and Chris Spielman out in Minnesota. Dennis, your thoughts on what's next for Minnesota? I was a little bit surprised that they let go of Spielman as well as Zimmer. Um, Spielman's been there for a while. Uh, now, under Spielman's 
GM leadership. They're 84, 85, and two, but they went 66, 56, and one with Zimmer. So they went from Leslie Frazier, a defensive-minded coach, to Mike Zimmer, another defensive-minded coach. They're the ones that deserve Dan Quinn. And uh, so I feel like they're going to go offensive-minded right now to take advantage of Justin Jefferson and Dalvin Cook and Irv Smith uh, and K.J. Osborne and Amir Smith-Marset. So it, it feels like they're set up for an offensive coach, but I feel like Spielman did a good job though. So I really was kind of surprised. I think if I'm a team looking for a GM, you know, the giants, maybe, uh, you know, that might be a, a route that I would go is to bring him in. Definitely. I don't know though. I feel like Minnesota the last few years has consummately maxed the cap with these big splashy veterans that have gotten them nothing in terms of a return on investment. That's probably where they got a little bit tired. I do think this probably means they're definitely committing to Cousins for another year. If I was looking around the quarterback market, knowing I had him locked up and the money that it would be to get out of it, I would probably make the same assessment. But I gathered that there was friction between Cousins and the coach and the front office. So it feels like that's probably a little bit of a move to that point. Minnesota does have some really exceptional offensive pieces. If you were looking at them, like, you know, if you were stacking up them or and Chicago, I would say Minnesota is a more attractive opening. I think they have a couple of defensive stalwarts too. It doesn't feel like they should be that far from being able to compete and get, you know, compete for the playoffs. I don't know if I think they're a Super Bowl team, but at least they do have some more attractive pieces in place. Yeah, they should be an interesting team to watch this offseason. Last but not least, and this is probably more just good news for DeAndre Swift, knowing he doesn't have to split the workload like 30-30-30 between five other running backs, technically only two other if you do 30-30-30. Anthony Lynn out as offensive coordinator in Detroit. Dennis, what are your thoughts? Well, it was kind of the writing on the wall. Um, I, I think Lynn approaches things a little bit more from a head coach standpoint after being a head coach for a good while. Uh, but when Dan Campbell took the play calling back from him uh, in midseason, you pretty much knew that that was going to be it for Lynn. Uh, he was going to be a one and done there in Detroit. You know, I, I'm still kind of up in the air. I like what Campbell's doing. Uh, it'll be interesting to see who he brings in as an offensive coordinator. Uh, while he did an okay job and the players play hard for him this year, I just don't know that he's that kind of offensive mind that you want to pin your hopes on calling game after game after game, year after year after year. I think he needs to bring in somebody that is like-minded in philosophy with him and then let them do it. And then, you know, he makes the go for it, don't go for it calls. Uh, but then he goes back to sort of being the CEO kind of guy, the Steve Ballmer of the Detroit Lions, you know, Bill, Bill uh, Gates was the brain behind all of that and did that. But Steve Ballmer, when he became the CEO there, he was this rah-rah guy who 
was very energetic and just sort of inspired everybody. And I think that's what where Campbell's strength is, is doing that and getting the players to play hard and then ex- having them execute somebody else's great plan. Yeah, and I think that can make make some sense. It, Anthony Lynn being like was probably one of the least surprising moves, you know, among these coaching things since Dan Campbell took over play calling toward the end of the season and their offense seemed to get demonstrably better. It was probably clear that Lynn wasn't the best fit. Yeah, I'm very, very curious to see who they end up bringing in as their offensive coordinator. Obviously, they've still got the NFL draft to go where they could add some pieces. But TJ Hawkinson, at least Jared Goff, likely for one more year. Amon Ross St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, and even Jamal Williams, who had a fairly decent season there as well. They've got some very interesting pieces to build around in Detroit. One of the best offensive lines as well. They bring in a good offensive coordinator. You know, I've been saying if they can get Sam Howell, with that second pick and, and another wide receiver at some point, I mean, the Lions are going to be a very exciting team to watch. Man, could you imagine them getting Traylon Burks to go along with? That's what I've been saying. Amon if they're Ross willing to take him with that first pick, like if you could get Traylon Burks and then Sam Howe with that second pick, oh my goodness, I might actually be a Lions fan. I mean, it's it's it'd be a very fun offense to watch. I mean, I get it. I, I'm just hoping that they don't say, oh, we got to take uh, Hutchinson. I mean, yeah, Hutchinson could be good, but I mean, he's kind of a one-year wonder. I, I'd much rather have Thibodeau. All right. Let's... The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds. Wow, those are some pretty good odds. Uh, on any wild card team to win their game, just bet $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you still have something to play for this wild card weekend. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy football contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit, $1 wager required, one per customer, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, so we are going to recap just a couple of the games here that um, impacted how the NFL playoffs shook out, and no bigger game than the Colts losing to the Jacksonville Jaguars 26-11. to Matt, the Colts dominated, but below a playoff spot. What does it mean for Reich and Wentz moving forward? Yeah, I mean... The Colts were just never in it. They got dominated there. And, you know, nine. they were sitting at 9-6. and six. Back-to-back Saturday wins over the Patriots and the Cardinals seemed to be in a great shape. 
kind of fell apart against the Raiders. And then yesterday it was just confounding. I guess they have not beaten Jacksonville in Jacksonville since 2014, which is probably one of the strangest stat lines. They're going to have to give up that first round pick because of the play time that Wentz uh, accrued. We went into that game, you know, on Friday, I talked about, I thought we needed to see Wentz show that he could be a good starting QB one. We did not see it yesterday. The line wasn't great. They gave up six sacks, but he had a fumble. He had an interception. They weren't able to move the ball. They weren't able to do anything. And it really has to kind of, give you a moment of pause going and getting Wentz seemed like it was Reich's big move and it just hadn't worked for them this year. Yeah, it was tough. You look at the line and I mean, Jonathan Taylor carried the ball 15 times. You, you, you would think that that's going to be your bread and butter going in against the Jaguars. And, and it just wasn't, they did not compete at, I don't know. It's crazy to me that Carson Wentz is, you know, we've seen him in the past play at a really high level. And we thought this year, teaming back up with Reich, we were going to see more of it. And he just can't seem to put it together. I know there have been injuries along their offensive line. Nelson's missed time. Uh, oh, who's the cat they got at left? Is it Fisher at, at left tackle? Um, you know, They've had they've had some players just not sort of live up to expectations. You know, they've struggled to see who's going to consistently be the wide receiver too. Tight ends have been hit and miss. I think tight ends probably because they're blocking. But we've got Jonathan Taylor, the best rusher in the NFL this year, and you only let him carry the ball 15 times against a team that he should have just completely dominated. I don't know. I don't have an answer for it. It's Frank Reich, man. Probably should have been one of those coaches who was fired today, in my opinion. I, he's just made a lot of really bad decisions. I don't understand it at all. You know, I got it. There was a lot of talk about, you know, we talked about it on Friday, I believe, too, right, Matt, that would this be the game that they tried to put a little bit more of it on Carson Wentz to see if he could do it in the playoffs? And then I told, we said it thought it was going to backfire and, it, and it backfired. You need Jonathan Taylor is your team. Why they did not rely on him. I have no idea. I mean, if I'm a Colts fan, I, I would be, I'd be livid. I, I just, I don't understand it. It's not like this is a one-time thing either. This has been going on for two years now with Frank Reich. It makes no sense to me whatsoever. Dennis, you talked a little bit about wanting to possibly buy low on the poor season that Trevor Lawrence was having. I mean, there was some signs alive for the Jaguars yesterday. Does this make the job more attractive? And did Lawrence reboot all of his stock or just some of it? Well, I, I think he, I, I don't know that his stock necessarily had fallen that far in Dynasty. They they had a lot of extenuating circumstances in Jacksonville. Just when they finally get rid of the, the head coach that's shooting them in the foot uh, time after time after time, then James Robinson gets injured. Uh, it, it hasn't been the smoothest rookie season, but we've seen guys, we, we've seen Troy Aikman, we've, we've seen Peyton Manning, we've seen guys have terrible rookie years and it's been great for them now Lawrence seems to have it seems to have not really affected his confidence 
but he's not a super boisterous guy to begin with. But he does seem sure of himself when, uh, you know, some of the stuff towards the end of Urban Meyer's run flared up. He didn't have an issue confronting it and saying, hey, we need to give our best player the ball more, coach. You know, he, it's pretty much what he said in the media. So I feel like his confidence is there. Coming out, throwing for over 200 yards, uh, two touchdowns with no interceptions. It puts him in a good spot going forward. You know, I was going to try to sneak in, you know, those super flex late first round draft pick for him, but I don't think that's going to happen this offseason. I mean, I'm going to sort of disagree that I think his stock had plummeted. There was a lot of talk that he was, he, based on performance, had actually been the worst of the rookie quarterbacks. And I think this did go back to I mean, giving us. The, but he the, was in the worst situation, too. I'd say the Jets was a tad bit worse just because <laughs> of everything going wrong. But the going Jets coaching was far superior to the coaching in, in Jacksonville. Well, I mean, no. I don't disagree. So, so that's probably that, true. That part's I, true, yeah. I do think it makes the, the job look a little more attractive. It looks like uh, the rehabilitation of Trevor Lawrence may not be as hard as it looked. If you would have stopped after 17 weeks, he was a one-man turnover machine for a few weeks down the stretch there. You're talking about a team – this is what makes probably even more embarrassing what happened to the Colts. You're talking about a team that came off of getting beaten by the Jets and Zach Wilson losing 50 to 10 to the Patriots in a game that wasn't even that close the week prior. They came out, they looked like a different team. They looked like they had different energy. I think that was a great way for them to end. And for Trent Balky, who seems like he's staying there as as GM, that was that's a great selling point now when you're trying. I mean, you went through a week where you had some high-profile coaching candidates say, no, we don't even want to interview with you. That was the kind of game you I mean, needed to Dan, end It was on. Dan Quinn. I don't know. I know, but if you're, if you're looking at – but so Dan Quinn's name has been mentioned yeah. in association with almost every opening. He's viewed as one of the top. To have a guy right out come out and say, I don't even want to bother interviewing with you is not a great – right sign there were questions about the culture there prior to urban meyer and definitely after urban meyer i think this is a the way they needed to end well yeah i mean yeah i mean peyton manning completed only 56 percent of his passes his rookie year through 28 interceptions you know, everybody throws that out there, but not everybody's Peyton Manning either. Like, every time a quarterback has a bad rookie season, everybody's always like, well, you know, Peyton Manning did this. Well, there's only one Peyton Manning. So just because he did it doesn't mean everybody else will. The one thing I'll say is I do think it's a, a positive thing for Trevor Lawrence getting that win because it was a good win. The, the Colts were a good team. In my opinion, they just, they should have been a playoff team. You know, I, I talked a little bit about this with Ray Garvin on his morning show the other day that I think I was I was more worried about Trevor Lawrence than anybody else because Jacksonville has never shown the ability to really build around anybody. Like they've not shown any kind of positive like moving forward. Like since Blake Bortles era, so I, that worried me. But the fact that Lawrence was able to go out there and show us a little bit of the flashes that we saw in college makes me hope that there is some positive things for them in the future. How the hell the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger drugged the Steelers to a win here is beyond me, but the Steelers. He's Michael Myers. 
16 That's what you missed. He's Michael Myers. I didn't watch this game because I really thought the Ravens were going to win. They did not. Dennis, the Steelers just keep hanging around. They make the playoffs. They're going to find a way to make it to the Super Bowl, right? Nope. They're going to be one and done in the playoffs. They, I mean, I, I get, you know, Najee Harris, Friar Muth, uh, Deontay Johnson. There's some young talent there. I mean, the, the guys are playing hard for Ben. They they want to send him out the right way. But let's see, what is he? Who's their matchup? Uh, they give the Chiefs a team that just fundamentally bent him over a chair two weeks ago. Yeah, so I, I kind of feel like as as much as I would, you know, like to say, oh, well, there could be, it could be competitive. I do feel like the Chiefs are going to uh, put a whooping on them. Even if even if Pittsburgh, let's say Pittsburgh puts up twenty four points, I still think it. I still think they lose by double digits. Uh, I just don't think they have the firepower. You know, T.J. Watt is is really really good. He's probably going to be the defensive player of the year um, because he got the sack record. And you know, maybe it's rightfully so, maybe it's not, but he's probably going to get it. Uh, I, I just don't think they, I just don't think they have enough firepower to get past the Steelers, especially we're going to have to watch, but Najee Harris hurt his elbow yesterday and the amount of carries they gave to Benny Snell in a competitive and important game would lead me to believe that that injury is something that could be a serious problem when you're talking about a short turnaround going to Kansas city. I think them getting in is a credit credit to the heart of those defensive guys who, you know, really tried to keep them in there all season to Deontay Johnson, who was trying to make the most out of those rookies that stepped up, but mostly to Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin is a guy who's just not going to let his team fail. They may not always be incredible, but he's just not going to let them fail. And he gets, he squeezes, you know, you were talking about those good coaches that can just squeeze the most out of what they've got. He squeezed that lemon down to the rind. Yeah. I mean, again, I, very rarely do I like to compliment the Steelers, but Mike Tomlin, I've said it before, I'll say it again. When the talk was that they were that they might fire him a couple years ago, I would have been thrilled if the Browns turned around and called him that day and hired him. Obviously, the Steelers didn't do that. Smart decision by them because I do think he is one of, if not the second best coach in football. I mean, he's not better than than Bill, but I think you could argue he's the second best coach in the NFL right now um, and then obviously with the way that that organization has handled all that they, they've been incredible I didn't that sucks about Najee because some may have put them in his playoff lineup but what does this mean for Baltimore in 2022 man somebody probably should have watched the games to see what was going on um, Baltimore man they need J.K. Dobbins to come back because, you know, as much as they were able to squeeze production out of Latavius Murray and Deonta and Devontae Freeman, it's just not the same. I think they need Dobbins. I'm still not convinced they don't need a wide receiver. Hollywood Brown has his moments, but he has some exceptionally unfortunate drops. Sometimes guys can can move past that. Maybe he can. I don't know if we saw enough out of Bateman. I love what they've got in Andrews. Matter. Except for, you know, he dropped a lot of balls in the end zone in game and they lost a ton of close games. I think injuries just became too much. You know, they didn't even have Mar Jackson down the stretch there. I'll be curious to see if they try to keep 
Huntley. I thought he was really good at first. He did not have a great game yesterday. Um, really struggled, but probably gives them a really rock solid backup. If if they don't retain him, I think he's got a chance. But Baltimore was probably a team that needed to to get healthy. Yeah, I mean, I, I like what Huntley did filling in for Lamar, but he he's no Lamar. Hollywood is is I mean I'm kind of coming around to him and I think bringing Bateman in and taking some of the pressure off I haven't looked at to see what the passing volume increase was up until Lamar got hurt but they were tracking to uh fairly what what felt like a fairly significant increase in pass attempts um but you know, it, the offense runs through Mark Andrews. And when J.K. Dobbins gets back, I, I think that it, it's going to be interesting to see how it shakes out. I think Lamar is at the point now after being injured. I do think he's going to start to revert to fewer rush attempts. And, and we've seen him be a pretty accurate and efficient passer. So as long as he he kind of keeps that up and, and the receivers step up, I mean, Devin DuVernay stepped up pretty big as a third receiver this year. Uh, you know, I, I don't hate where they're going and how they're going there. Yeah, I mean, I, I called um, Hollywood Brown to be my fantasy MVP earlier this season, a guy you could get really late uh, that would end up bouncing back. And for the first half of the season – I look like I was going to be right on par. Second half, I do think a little bit was the injuries and Lamar because Lamar was not out there a lot in that second half, and I wonder how much of that affected Hollywood as well. The 49ers come back and beat the Rams in overtime. Matt, the Rams jump out to a lead and then blow it. I mean, this continues that trend of them not playing well here in the back half of the season. What does this mean for them in the playoffs? Yeah, they should probably be glad that uh, seeding-wise they don't end up getting the 49ers in the first round because they have now lost six straight to the 49ers. Matthew Stafford, I've, you know, I was very excited for him and he's had some very great moments, but he's also struggled with turnovers down the stretch. He played a very clean first half and it got away from him in the second half. They weren't able to get the run game going. They now have a tremendously hard road because they dropped all the way to the four seed. So they get Arizona which, you know, they split with, and that's a tough, you know, rubber match there. And if they are able to win that, they have to go right away to Green Bay. So the Rams are going to need to be on their A game if they want to get that Super Bowl. I think what really hampered the Rams was they couldn't run the ball. I mean, Sony was 21 for 43. That was, I mean, it's tough to average average two yards a carry because when that happens, then – uh, Stafford starts to feel the pressure and, and he starts to get that. He starts to play hero ball. I've got to do it. Uh, and it, I did feel like some of the throws, he did try to force a couple of them to OBJ um, with the, you know, not I'm going to throw it to him uh, no matter what, but more of the, I think he can catch it if I throw it there uh, approach. Um, you know, it was nice to see Cup do his thing, uh, but you know, Stafford, if they can't run the ball, the Rams are going to be in trouble. 
Matt, the 49ers fight their way into the playoffs. What do you expect in their playoff run? Yeah, you know, I thought Jimmy G, he started a little slow, but it looks like he adjusted to that thumb. They have some really um, dangerous offensive weapons uh, when they get going um, that could be good. They are going to be a tough out, and I think that that first-round matchup with the Cowboys might be the most attractive game of this upcoming weekend. I think we all need to put Juwan Jennings in our uh, playoff contest lineup. He Man, that one touchdown, he fought it all the way to the ground. I mean, mm-hmm. I like what Jennings has done this year, but uh, there's been a couple games, a, a few catches where he's clearly battling the ball. You know, I, I have concerns about Garoppolo's thumb still. He did play pretty well, but there were some throws. He just he just couldn't get the zip on him he needed. He couldn't quite get the strength there. Uh, and so he was trying to finesse some of it in there. Uh, you know, they've got a lot of weapons in San Francisco, uh, the least of which is, isn't the, the running game. They can run the ball, and I think that may help them to uh, stay – uh, ahead of the game a little bit and keep the other team off balance. One done. I don't think they beat the Cowboys. The Raiders beat the Chargers in overtime, which um, seems like they were trying to just tie. And then Brandon Staley does Brandon Staley things, likely cost himself a win as well earlier by going for it on fourth down instead of taking the points. They win 35 32. Matt, the Chargers come up short. Your thoughts on their performance? Yeah, they are, remain one of the most frustrating teams. It really doesn't seem to matter who their coach is. They have some kind of collapse at the weirdest times. You know, they lost that game to Houston that probably put them on a track. It looked like they were for sure tracking to the playoffs, and that, and that really killed the mojo. They got buried for a time and then come back at, in the fourth quarter. It looked like they can't be stopped, and then I don't know what they're doing, you know, in overtime. And you're right, that – that it, that timeout. Brandon Staley did some good things for them. Their defense needs to improve. They couldn't stop the run at all. Um, just another kind of wondering what if. I still love Justin Herbert. I hope they're able to get it together for him. Man, Justin Herbert's probably still got his arm on ice after throwing 64 passes last night. I mean, this game, it, it was like taking acid. And throw back to my past. It was like you take it and then you just wait and you just wait and you just wait. Man, that fourth quarter, the acid kicked in and it was crazy. Shit just went wild. And uh, I, I don't know. It was, I thought there was going to be, I thought we'd see more Foster Moreau after he busted that big play. Uh, it shouldn't have been close the way the Raiders kind of came out. Um, but man, Herbert was just converting those fourth downs and those long third downs. Uh, it was a wild game at the end. And and you know, I don't think they were trying to tie. I I feel like there was you want to get the right defense in. Now they blew it with uh Jacobs on that last run play. He gashed him. I I I buy the talk that Staley's saying, hey, we wanted to we called a timeout because we we wanted to get a better defense in to match up with that offense for that play, to make the field goal as long as possible. But they just didn't execute it. Sometimes the other team just executes better. 
Yeah, I don't even know that it was on the defense. I mean, if some of those wide receivers just not drop balls, they probably win. I mean, I don't remember the exact stat. I was trying to look it up, but I'm almost positive he was like six for six for 100 yards and two touchdowns or a touchdown on fourth downs last night was Justin Herbert. I mean, he played with his hair on fire. And I just want to throw this out because I feel like I know everybody was posting, and I agree with them 100% that we got robbed of him being in the playoffs for freaking Big Ben of all quarterbacks, which, whatever. But most pass yards in two seasons, most passing touchdowns in two seasons, most pass yards in a Chargers season, most passing touchdowns in a Chargers season, and fourth player ever in the Super Bowl era to get 5,000 passing yards in a season before turning 25, just behind Patrick Mahomes, Dan Marino, and Matt Stafford. That is one Justin Herbert. It's going to get an MVP soon, and hopefully but, they can get that defense fixed. When you mention Matthew Stafford on that list, that has to be your greatest fear about Justin Herbert. Stafford toiled for so many years, putting up good numbers, having weapons, and they couldn't do enough to get into the playoffs. And I feel like that's potentially the Chargers, where they're really good but not good enough. So the only reason I think that won't be the case is they're set on offense. A lot of those players are under contract. Clearly, the defense needs help in a major way. They can go a little bit heavy on defense in the draft this year. All the Browns did a couple years ago where they just went all defense and I think took like two wide receivers. Maybe they can get it turned around in a year. I mean, they were almost in this year, right? I mean, they don't lose to the Texans. And again, this is the second year in the league. Like, I'm not going to freak out too much. Now, if we're talking about this in two years, whew, yeah, I'm gonna start freaking out that maybe he's the next Matt Stafford, but I'm, I, I think he's got a lot of high hopes. Uh, the Raiders blow a huge lead, but they pull it out in the end. How dangerous will they be in the playoffs, Dennis? And should Rich Basaccia Basaccia get the full time game? Yeah, I, I think he's. I, I feel like he's earned it. You know, here, let me show you something here. Get up. So this is this is my crow here. Big old crow. I'm going to eat a big old serving of crow uh, because I didn't think the Raiders had it in them, and, and they did it. They uh, they made the playoffs. Uh, they've looked questionable at times, but Max Crosby and the defense has stepped up when they need to. Um, Derek Carr has come through. Uh, hell, even Brian Edwards came through last night with four catches on five targets for 63 yards. I mean, if that's not a blast from my past. It's because uh, he knew the fantasy season was over. Yeah, no shit. Um, you know, th they've th they've got some decent pieces. You know, I think they need better running back depth behind Jacobs. And maybe that's – if Drake hadn't gotten hurt, that might have that might be a, a that might be all the depth they would have needed, but Zay Jones and and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller uh, all played really really well. Edwards has had a moment here or there, you know. Moreau has come through. They need some help on the offensive line, uh, but for them to be able to to pull that game off last night uh, was something. I feel like Basaccia. The hard part is, is like when you're the interim coach, uh, you want the job, you want to get the job. And a lot of times I think teams really want to do a search 
but then the interim coach comes in and does something like Basaccia did. He rallied this team, and and they played for him. And between him and Derek Carr, there's something there. Something maybe it's the mystique, something that I just don't get. Um, but they they played really really well for him, and they got into the playoffs. I think I think he gets a shot. Yeah, I think he should get a shot too. It does seem like Mark Davis is really uh, angling hard to get a big splashy name like a Jim Harbaugh. You would think maybe they would have learned something from from following that tactic, I would say, when they went with Gruden. But we will see. I, I, I hope he gets a shot. The AFC is wide open. The Raiders are a scrappy team. They've won four games in a row when everybody doubted them out. They have potentially an easier path because they've moved all the way up to the five seed. They're at the Bengals, which the Bengals are a good team. Bengals clocked them earlier this year, 32-13. to 13, But I think they could potentially get that. And if they got past that, they'd be the ones probably that would go to Tennessee. Uh, so they avoid the Chiefs, which seems to be their bugaboo. No shot. They're losing to the Bengals this week, and I don't think that uh, Basaccia gets the job either. I, I just think Davis is going to do exactly what you said, Matt. He's going to go for that big hire. You know, I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it because the the fact that he held this team together and they made the playoffs with everything, not just Gruden, but obviously what unfortunately Rugs. happened around the whole rug situation as well held this team together, and then they made the playoffs. I think he should at least get like a two-year contract, see what he can do, but that's not – I don't think that's something Davis is going to do. I I really don't. Dennis, uh, we are heading into the playoffs. What is a way that we can can improve – what is a tool that can help us improve our dynasty rosters? Yeah, for me, you know, my go-to tool is the Dynasty GM from Dynasty Nerds. Do you want to dominate your Dynasty League? The Dynasty GM from Dynasty Nerds is the tool you'll need to get the job done. It integrates seamlessly with your MFL, Sleeper, Flea Flicker, and FFPC leagues. Use the League Analyzer to identify your team's strengths and weaknesses. Use the Trade Calculator to put together league-winning deals. The Player Shares Tracker keeps track of your roster ship. and get exclusive rankings and more. Use code ROUNDTABLE for 15% off the monthly or annual subscription. Bundle it with the dynasty. Bundle the dynasty GM with the nerd herd to save even more. I screw up at that same spot every time. Someday. All right. Last but not least, before we get out of here, as we do every year, we do our playoff competition on the. Uh, what was the word I was going to use there? And now I forgot it. Don't know. So we're going to change what I was going to say. You can win. Either some fantasy football roundtable gear. We will have shirts for any and all teams. So if you're a Dolphins fan, Browns fan, Broncos fan, whatever, whatever, we got it. Or you can get yourself some Camps to Canton gear if you win the challenge. I will have Matt and then the um, podcast account tweet out the link if you want to put it in. If you're in our Discord, that was already put in there for you guys. Uh, We've already had a bunch of people signing up for that. Matt, go ahead and give us the rules, and then we will read off our teams really quick before we get out of here. Yep, so uh, the the playoff challenge, 
Everybody has a 14-man roster. You make one selection per 14 playoff team, so everybody plays the same number of players every week. Scoring is cumulative to win. There are no negative points. Uh, universal six-point touchdowns. It's PPR. One point for every 10 rush receive yards, one point for every 25 passing yards, one point for a sack, two points for a turnover. Those are your defensive and special team scoring. Standard kicker points, three points for Field goals up to 39, four for 40 to 49, five points for anything 50 or longer, and you get a point for extra points. The roster this year, three quarterbacks, three running backs, three receivers, three tight ends, defense special team, and kicker. So you want to be strategic when you are picking your roster. As I said, we I will tweet out the Google form link. It's got the spots for you to drop your roster in, and then we will do the scoring. So do you want me to give my team first to kick it off? Yeah, go ahead. Give us your team. All right. So my team that I went with, my quarterbacks, I did Josh Allen of the Bills, Tom Brady of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and my homeboy for life, Dak Prescott of the Dallas Cowboys. Running back, I took Derrick Henry of the Titans. Please, God, Titans, activate Derrick Henry, or I'm going to feel really, really sad. Uh, I took Damian Harris of the Patriots, and now I forgot my sheet. I don't remember who my third running back was. Um, I'll go to wide receivers. I took Cooper Cup of the Rams, Jamar Chase of the uh, Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals, and Devontae Adams of the Packers. My third running back was James Conner of the Cardinals. I'm sorry, James Conner, I forgot you. Uh, my tight ends, I took Travis Kelsey of the Chiefs, George Kittle of the 49ers, Darren Waller of the Raiders. I went with Pittsburgh defense and special teams, and Josh Elliott, the Eagles kicker, who actually somebody mentioned uh, was kicker one in fantasy from week 10 on. Nice. All right. Uh, so my team tried to go with the. I picked the Packers to make the make the Super Bowl and win it. So I'm sticking with Aaron Rodgers. And then I tried to get one of who I'm hoping is going to be one of the AFC quarterbacks in the Super Bowl. So my QBs two and three are Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. My running backs I went Joe Mixon, Elijah Mitchell, and then this is where I might have screwed myself. Najee Harris. So let's go, Najee. Hope he's not too injured. Wide receivers, I went A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, and C.D. Lamb. Tight ends, Dallas Goddard, Zach Ertz, and Rob Gronkowski. I went with the Patriots defense, and then with the kicker with the golden foot, Daniel Carlson. My team is a hot mess because I just couldn't land on a third quarter, <laughs> third running back, and I've been trying to move things around, and, and it, it's just a mess. I, I might as well just concede now. All right, quarterback one, Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts, uh, Aaron Jones at running back, Joe Mixon at running back, Najee Harris at running back. If I happen to repeat a team, point it out to me because, like I said, I've been moving some stuff around. Wide receivers, A.J. Brown, Cooper Cup, C.D. Lamb, tight ends, Zach Ertz, Travis Kelsey, Darren Waller, Patriots defense, and Robbie Gould at the kicker. I think you did it. Uh, yeah. I hate it. I, I really wanted De Devontae Adams in there, but I got yes, done. And I had right. at one point I was looking at it and I had running, all AFC running, running back, back was and terrible. all NFC wide receivers. I'm like, oh, I can't do that. I'm gonna be honest. I thought running back was the hardest position to program uh this year. 
Yeah, that's why I just try to load up on those three quarterbacks. I feel like I'm going to get at least one, possibly two in, and that might be what takes me over the top. Because I thought about Adams, too, but then I was like, well, if I think the Packers are going to win it, I'd probably rather have Rodgers than Adams. So I picked my Super Bowl quarterbacks, too, Dak and Josh Allen. All right, so that will do it for us today. We'll be back on Friday to preview all of the playoff matchups, and we will do a little rookie profile talk as well. Each of us will talk about a rookie quarterback this week. Everybody enjoy the national championship game tonight. We will talk to you guys again on Friday. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wall line ready. And he's hit the end zone! For an unbelievable touchdown! I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head.